Hear the word of God from Luke's Gospel, chapter 14. He said also to the man who had invited him, When you give a dinner or a banquet, do not invite your friends or your brothers or your relatives or rich neighbors, lest they also invite you in return and you be repaid. But when you give a feast, invite the poor, the crippled, the lame, the blind, and you will be blessed because they cannot repay you, for you will be repaid at the resurrection of the just. When one of those who reclined at the table with him heard these things, he said to him, Blessed is everyone who will eat bread in the kingdom of God. But he said to him, A man once gave a great banquet and invited many. And at the time for the banquet, he sent his servant to say to those who had been invited, Come, for everything is now ready. But they all alike began to make excuses. The first said to him, I have bought a field, and I must go and see it. Please have me excused. And another said, I have bought five yoke of oxen, and I go to examine them. Please have me excused. And another said, I have married a wife, and therefore I cannot come. So the servant came and reported these things to his master. Then the master of the house became angry and said to his servant, Go out quickly to the streets and lanes of the city and bring in the poor and crippled and blind and lame. And the servant said, Sir, what you commanded has been done, and still there is room. And the master said to the servant, Go out to the highways and hedges and compel people to come in, that my house may be filled. For I tell you, none of those men who are invited shall taste my banquet. Now great crowds accompanied him, and he turned and said to them, If anyone comes to me and does not hate his own father and mother and wife and children and brothers and sisters, and yes, even his own life, he cannot be my disciple. Whoever does not bear his own cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. For which of you, desiring to build a tower, does not first sit down and count the cost, whether he has enough to complete it? Otherwise, when he has laid a foundation and is not able to finish, all who see it begin to mock him, saying, This man began to build and was not able to finish. Or what king, going out to encounter another king in war, will not sit down first and deliberate whether he is able with 10,000 to meet him who comes against him with 20,000? And if not, while the other is a great way off, he sends a delegation and asks for terms of peace. So therefore, any one of you who does not renounce all that he has cannot be my disciple. This is the word of the Lord. Morning, Waypoint Church. Don't need that no more. My name is Ben Uthi. I'm a pastoral intern here at the church and get the opportunity this morning to preach to you guys, which I'm excited about. So to begin, I want to start with a question. I like kind of just starting with a nice, you know, question that'll tie in. What's the, and it's, don't actually answer, okay? It's rhetorical. But what's the lamest excuse you've ever heard to get out of something? Basketball, that's a good excuse. That's a good excuse. Game seven, 3.30. Um, anyway, I work in college ministry, half for eight years. So I've invited college students to hundreds, if not thousands of things over the years. I've heard some pretty bad excuses, okay? I've, I probably got my PhD in bad excuses. But there's one that takes the cake. Um, so my junior year, um, I live with Spencer Hunt. 
He's here somewhere. He's a member here now. And uh, we were living in an all-freshman dorm at NC State trying to reach these freshmen with the gospel. And so there was this one student we had built a friendship with named Mike. And we, yeah, had built a friendship with him. And sometimes we'd go to breakfast and read the Bible on, I don't know what it was, Tuesday mornings, let's say. This one Tuesday morning, Mike didn't show up. Call him, text him, knock on the door. You know, he doesn't show up, whatever. But we live together, okay, or on the same hall. So I'm going to see him later. So when I see him later, hey, Mike, what happened? Where were you today? He says, I had the darkest room on campus. I couldn't come to Bible study this morning. And looked at me as if I was supposed to validate that and be like, oh, yeah, totally, man. Yeah, you have the darkest room on campus, for sure. So I, I don't even know why I asked you to, you know, meet up in the morning. Um, but that was legitimately his excuse. He, he thought his room was so constructed in such a way that it was darker than everyone else at NC State. So, of course, he couldn't come to Bible study that morning. Fair enough. Actually, not really. Um, but anyway, I ask that because our pastors today deals with an invitation and reasons why people aren't going to come. And they're all... Fairly lame excuses, although Mike's is pretty good. Um, so we're going to look at really two just kind of sections from the flow of the text. So we're going to look at an invitation and a cost. So the, the invitation, that's verses 12 through 24, and the cost is verses 25 through 33. So that's, that's what we're going to be spending our time with. So to begin, we'll look at an invitation. Okay, and the context here is Jesus himself has been invited to a dinner at a Pharisee's house. And then proceeds to tell a parable about having a dinner at your house. Okay. Obviously there's great irony going on here. There's kind of, you know, intentionality with Jesus doing that. But essentially the gist of uh, the parable is there's this eloquent banquet that is being thrown. And the emphasis of kind of the whole parable is who's going to come? Who's going to actually attend the banquet? And it's very clearly a picture of the kingdom of God. That's what the parable is analogous to. The banquet is analogous to the kingdom of God. And Jesus himself actually inserts himself into the parable, which he doesn't do super often. But in verse 24, he literally says, For I tell you, none of those men invited shall taste my banquet. So we know this is Jesus himself saying, hey, this isn't just, this isn't just you know, an example. It's not just a metaphor. This is going to happen. Right? And if you know your Bible well, Revelation, what's one of the ways that it's described we're going to be with the Lord? The marriage supper of the Lamb. Is that not an incredible banquet that Jesus is at and that he's hosting and that he's inviting us into? So real quick, just the connection there to make it very plain. When you throw a banquet, you do it because you want fellowship with people, right? You, you want people to come and you want them to have a good time and you want to see them and laugh and you know, just have a good time. But whoever throws the banquet... It's at great cost to themselves, right? They're providing the food, they're providing the wine, they're probably paying for the servers, etc. It's, it's costly for them to do it, but they do it because they want, they want fellowship, they want relationship, they want you to come and maybe it's celebrate something that's happened or they just want to throw a party because they haven't seen you in a while, whatever it is. And so again, this is representative of the kingdom of God. Jesus is the one throwing the banquet. He has thrown it at the cost of his life. He has died and resurrected and now is saying, I want people to come experience the kingdom of God. Anyone can now come experience the kingdom of God because he has paid the price. So that's, that's, uh, the, the, those are the parallels that are going on in this, in this banquet. 
Now, a little bit more context needs to be given because we live in 2023, not when Jesus was talking about this. So in those days, if you were throwing a banquet, there were really two invitations that went out. Okay, there was the general invitation, you know, kind of, hey, a banquet's happening, you should come. It'll be the second or third week in May. Because they didn't have stuff like refrigerators, freezers, you know, you couldn't prepare a lot of food ahead of time. So there was just kind of this general, you should come to this thing, it's gonna be awesome. And then once they figured out about how many people were going to come, you got to prepare the food, all that stuff. Then you send out a second invitation. That was in verse 17. It says, then the servants were sent out to say, go for everything is now ready. Right? So, so there are two invitations that happen. And so what happens in our parable is essentially there are three examples of people who they got the first invitation. They said, cool, second or third week in May. See ya. But they don't come. They end up not coming to the banquet which again means they end up missing out on the kingdom of God, even though they initially were receptive to it. They were receptive initially, but they end up missing out on the kingdom of God because they allowed something in their life to prevent them from truly experiencing the kingdom. That's what's going on in the parable. So we have three examples. One guy says, hey, I bought a field. Have to go look at it. Then you know, you're like, where's the field going? Is it going somewhere? Uh, don't you own the field? You can look at it later. Um, or another guy says, hey, I bought some oxen, which to give him some sympathy, scholars say it would have been about two and a half years wages, the oxen he bought. So it was expensive. But again, you own them. They do what you tell them to do. They're, they're not going anywhere. You can look at them tomorrow, right? And then the last person said, well, ah, I just got married. Sorry. It's like, well... Again, you got the first invitation. So did you just, you, you met someone and got married in two weeks and, you know, didn't know? Or it's also like, is it such a burden to like go to this amazing thing with great food, great wine, great people? Like, is that, is that like a, a heavy burden to lay upon a newlywed? It sounds like kind of something fun to do, right? So anyway, the example clearly here from Jesus is trying to be like, the examples aren't good. The, 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 the reasons people are giving are not good. But again, let's be clear here what it's representing. It's representing the kingdom of God. And so there are people who appeared receptive to God and his kingdom, but now they have let something in their life prevent them from truly experiencing that kingdom. Thank you. Um, so to contextualize it a little bit for me, so I grew up in a Christian home. We grew up going to church. I, I had a Bible, all those things. So you could say I had the first invitation, right? I was familiar with Christianity. I wasn't against it or hostile towards it or anything like that. But I hadn't truly followed Jesus until I, I came to faith in Christ my freshman year at NC State. But before that, I hadn't accepted the second invitation, so to speak. But I remember as a college student, now I was blessed to have two really good friends who I knew for a long time and we all came to college together and then they became Christians before I did. And then I started seeing their lives change drastically. And I was like, what is going on in these guys' lives? I've known them for a while. This is not just a church thing. Some of them are here. Um, but, um, and, and they started trying to share the gospel with me, right? Because they also knew Ben doesn't really know the gospel. And so what it was for me was I was just so laser focused in college on I want to get good grades so I can get a good 
you know, GPA so I can get a good internship, so I can get a good job, so I can get a nice house and a lake house and just be comfortable, right? Um, nothing inherently wrong with those things, but that's just, I was so driven on that. That was really my purpose. That was my hope. That was my life, was all those things. So how it played itself out was, if these guys invited me to a Bible study or, you know, wanted to have a spiritual conversation or maybe, you know, do something a campus ministry was doing, I was just like, I just don't have time for that. I'm, I, I, I'm, I, I got grades, I got midterms, like that stuff just doesn't matter because this is so much more important to me, the grades and everything that is laid out. So that's what it was for me. That, uh, that's what was preventing me from truly experiencing the kingdom of God was, man, I just... These things feel honestly just so much more important than coming to a Bible study or talking about even purpose or hope or eternal life, which obviously in the grand scheme of things, midterms pale in comparison, right, to eternal life. But that's where I was at. That, that's why I wouldn't have attended the banquet, so to speak, if I was in the parable. And I wonder what it might be for you. I wonder if there are some of you in this room, obviously you're at church today. Um, so in some sense, I can probably speculate you've gotten the first invitation. Perhaps you're familiar with God or the story of Christianity. You grew up in church. But I wonder if maybe you haven't received the second invitation. If you haven't truly followed Jesus as your Lord and Savior. And like me, you're just like, there's just other stuff that just seems way more important. Like, it, it just doesn't seem that pressing. Like, I, I just have other things going on right now. Because friends, that's, that's what the people in the parable are saying, okay? It's exactly what they're saying. And I remember thinking, oh, I'll just figure that out when, when life settles down, right? Now, I'm, I'm only 29, but for those of you who are a little bit older, you know, you got a little bit of life experience, does it ever settle down, right? There's never going to be that magical time when you're like, everything is settled. I can now consider these things. Let's go. Let's talk. Um, and again... Are they not important enough to disrupt your life now, right? Are these things, if they're true, are they not worth considering? So this parable also is fascinating because it's simultaneously the past, present, and future all at the same time. So it's the past in that God's prophets, the Old Testament, his law, that was the initial invitation, Genesis 3.15, someone born of Eve is going to crush the head of the serpent. 2 Samuel 7, 12 and 13, someone from David's line is going to have a kingdom that will never be broken. It will be established forever. Isaiah 53.5, someone's going to be crushed for our transgressions, pierced for our iniquities. Upon him is a chastisement that will bring us peace. By his stripes we will be healed. A Savior is coming. This is happening. Didn't say when, Right? Didn't say exactly when, but you know, it's happening. This is coming. Someone is going to come save God's people. He's going to send the Messiah. He's going to send the anointed one. And then Jesus comes on the scene. Mark 1.15. One of the first things he says. Repent and believe. Why? The kingdom of God is at hand. This is happening now. You heard about it. It was prophesied. It was foretold. It's going on right now. And I just think about that when I think about Matthew 4, 19 and 20. Jesus says, follow me, I'll make you fishers of men. Verse 20, immediately they drop their nets and follow him. He's like, verse 17 of, of our parable, let's go. This is happening now. You knew about it, it's happening 
now. This is what humanity has been waiting for. The Messiah has finally come. But it's also the present. And when I say present, I mean when Jesus is talking to uh, the Pharisees in Luke 14 there. Because the present, because Jesus is going, I'm sure, you know, this isn't in the text, but we, we can infer that I'm sure the Pharisees were like, man, those people in the parable, they're, they're foolish. Like they missed out on that banquet because, you know, those lame excuses. Like, and Jesus is going, yeah, it's you guys. You are the people in the parable. Because the Pharisees got the first invitation. They had the law. They had the prophets. They had God's word. Many of them had to memorize the first five books of the Bible. They had it memorized. But yet they reject Jesus, the second invitation. And so Jesus is saying, just like you Pharisees would go, man, how foolish are those people? Jesus is going, wake up. It's you. It's you. You reject me. And you had, you had every opportunity to know this was coming. So because of that, what does he say? Go out and invite the poor, the lame, the blind, the hurting, the outcast. Let them come to the banquet. Let them be a part of the kingdom. Why? Because they can't believe they get to be invited. So they accept the grace. They accept the invitation. They show up. Nothing's more important than this. And that's representative of the Gentiles, of the non-Jews, of the people who didn't have God's word, his law, his prophets. But now Jesus is saying, okay, you weren't necessarily on the guest list, but guess what? You can come. Come to the banquet. I want you to come. I have paid for everyone to be here at the cost of my life. Come enjoy fellowship now. You got to think again, the, the examples he gives, the poor, the lame, the hurting, the cripple. They're going, man, me? You want me? And the only reason they show up is because they go, the one throwing the banquet invited me. There's no other reason I should be here. I shouldn't be here. He, he, he wants me. He wants me to be here. And friends, that's how you should think about your relationship in the kingdom of God. There's no sh shot that you have at entering into the banquet apart from, he invited me. Not because I'm awesome, not because I have any particular skill or something that's impressive, but because he invited me to the banquet and I said yes. I showed up. So it's the future as well in that I'm here to tell you this morning, you're invited to the banquet. I don't know if you know that. You're invited to be a part of the kingdom of God. I don't know each and every person in here, but I know this. He loves you. He desires a relationship with you. And he has made all the necessary preparations so you can come and joy. You can come be a part of the kingdom. So the only logical question would then have to be, why won't you come? What is it in your life that just, this just feels so much more pressing. This just feels, I can't even consider that. Or maybe you feel unworthy. Like, I can't go to the banquet. I can't be a part of God's kingdom. Man, you don't know what I've done. The parable, friends, clearly has this principle. Those who feel worthy 
who feel deserving, they never show up. The only people who come are the ones who don't feel like they deserve to be there. So if you are in that spot right now where you're thinking, I don't deserve to be a part of God's kingdom, congratulations, you're the best candidate. So that's the invitation that you're being invited into. You can be a part of the kingdom of God. So lastly, the cost. What will it cost for you to go to the banquet? Because in one sense, right, it seems like, well, it's, it's so free and easy. It's just an invitation you accept. But what does it truly mean to become a follower of Jesus? To accept his offer of salvation, to be a part of his kingdom? In many of your Bibles, the subheading, I'm sure, in 25 through 33, it says the cost of discipleship, which disciple in the Greek just means follow, follower. So what will it cost for you to follow Jesus? That's verses 25 to 33. And it makes logical sense, does it not, that there's this incredible invitation. You're being invited to the banquet. And Jesus immediately says, let's understand what that means. The cost. So we get to verse 26. And I imagine likely as you heard that read, many of you were kind of going, oh, man. You know, or maybe you're like, man, I invited somebody new. Like, this is their first time. <laughs> Gosh, is he going to talk about it? And maybe it's just one of those he's not going to touch on, you know. Um, we're going to talk about it. Breathe, it's okay. Um, so a crucial thing to note here is the word hate in the Greek can be translated as love less. Okay, love less. For me, it helps for me to understand what this word means when I understand where Jesus said it elsewhere. So Matthew 6, verse 24, talking about God and money, Jesus says this, no one can serve two masters for either he will hate, same word, the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. So what, what's Jesus saying there? Okay, either I'm gonna like hate money or I'm gonna love God like, is there like a medium? What do you mean? No, he's saying you're going to have one as the priority. You're going to love one more. And Jesus is going, which one do you love less? Do you love God less or do you love money less? Because whatever your answer is, that's your master. That's who you serve. Okay, that's another sermon. We can touch on that later. But again, I just use that to explain. That's, that's the same word that's being described here. So hear me very clearly say it's okay to have a family and to love them, okay? It's okay. If you're a Christian, especially, you ought to, okay? You ought to really love them. It's okay to have a life and to love it. What verse 26 is saying is it's not okay to love and prioritize those things more than you love Jesus. That's what he's trying to get across, okay? He wants to be first. He wants to be the thing that you love worship and cherish more than anything else. So you see how Christianity is not just this, hey, pray this prayer and then go on and live your life however you want to leave it. No. Jesus is saying, I want to be the thing that you desire and worship more than anything in the world. That's authentic Christianity. That's authentic discipleship. That's authentic following Jesus. So for me, I think about my own life, I think about family. You know, he uses family intentionally because he knows 
that's naturally what we all love, right? Like those are naturally the people who are going to kind of take the, the primary position. And so I think about in my life, I have two small kids, Ruth and Roman. Probably seen them running around if you haven't. Stay around till 12. They'll be the ones who are sprinting, you know, back and forth. Um, but I think about them and I think about, I would drain every dollar in every bank account that I had if they needed it. And if the time came, God forbid it, I would absolutely lay my life down for theirs. No question. No regret. Why? Getting emotional. Because I love them more. I love money less. I love my life less than I love them. And you see, this, is, this isn't inherently just a spiritual thing Jesus is talking about in verse 26. We all already do this. There is a priority of things in your heart that you love and worship and cherish. Whether you call yourself a Christian or not, you do. And so all he's saying in verse 26 is, let's acknowledge that's real and I want to be first. So he would look at me and he would say, Ben, that's incredible. I love that you love your kids like that. I want you to love me more. I want you to love me more. Because my daughter, my son, they didn't create me. They didn't die in my place. And they're not the reason I exist. So following Jesus looks like loving him more than I love them. And that feels like a lot. And that's kind of the point. That's the point. He's saying, I know. This is what it will look like. So if you clear the family part, verse 26, then it gets to verse 27, and the ante only gets upped. Jesus talks now about, hey, if you're not willing to carry your cross, you can't be a disciple. Now, it's important to note here in verse 25, it says, great crowds were gathering. And so you've got to imagine some of the disciples are just kind of going, Jesus, like, don't we like... We like want people, right? We like, don't we like want people to like, you know, like sign up? Um, and he's, and you know, Jesus lays verse 26 and verse 27 on them, which is interesting to know all throughout the gospels, there seems to be this pattern of when great crowds show up in Jesus's ministry, he seems to say something really hard and challenging then a lot of people leave. Okay. Now that's a, that's a book I'm working on of why, you know, I'm not even going to go into that, but anyway. <laughs> Jesus seems to be concerned when crowds show up and he wants them to know, do you understand what's, what's happening here? Okay, that's going to be the, the subtitle of the book. Um, <laughs> but anyway, so it does beg the question, right? Why do this? Why say you got to hate your mother and sister and your children? Why, why say if you're not willing to carry a cross, which in those days is, is a death sentence? You don't carry a cross unless you're going to be crucified. Why say that? Because Jesus wants to be honest. He wants them, he wants you and I, he wants everyone to know it may come to that. And if it does, you don't go, wait, this isn't what I signed up for. I I, I didn't know this was going to happen. It's part of the cost. And he says this to the 11 disciples. They all die for following Jesus. 
They needed to hear this. They needed to hear that this could happen because it did. Then we get into verses 28 through 32. There's two examples given of building a tower, thinking about, should I do it? How much is it going to cost? How long is it going to take? You know, all those things. And then also going to war. They have twice the amount of people we have. Should we surrender? Should we not surrender? Right? So he uses these two kind of earthly examples to communicate. These are really important decisions. And any logical person would go, man, I should really think about this. Like, you don't just haphazardly go, are we going to go to war or are we not going to go to war? It's like, that needs to be a very intentional, thought out, deliberate decision. And he says that because, again, understand the context we're in. Being a part of the kingdom of God, coming to the banquet, accepting the invitation, it is a very big decision. It's not just something that should happen flippantly because the lights got dimmed and the music came on and you felt moved. Although the Lord can work through that. But it's a big decision. So I had a friend on staff with Campus Outreach um, named Matt who was really good at this concept. I remember he told me this one time and I remember thinking, man, that's crazy. Um, But essentially, as he was engaged with students who weren't yet followers of Jesus and he was studying the Bible with them, if any of them said something like, hey, I think I want to do this. I think I want to be a follower of Jesus. He would always say, wait a week and then come back to me. Which think about, I mean, he, I mean, it's a support raised ministry, right? Think about the temptation to go home and send out that donor update. Somebody came to Christ. Woo. You know, that's me on my laptop doing that. Um, woo. But Matt wouldn't do that. He would say, wait a week and then come back and let's talk. And he would almost always say, because think about it. The relationship you're currently in. You say yes to Jesus, it might end. The friends you got, the stuff you guys are doing, you say yes to Jesus, might not have many of those friends anymore. I want you to really think about this and then come back in a week. If you want to follow Jesus, let's absolutely talk about it. Why do that, right? You know, again, it's kind of like the disciples. You know, if somebody was like kind of with Matt, you'd be like, hey, man, just no, don't, don't tell him to wait a week. Um, but he understood this concept, right? He understood this concept of he wanted a genuine, honest life change in that student's life. He didn't just want kind of some rash decision. So again, you've been invited to the banquet. And I want you to come. And God wants you to come. And I think you're here today, this morning, maybe to hear that. That you've been invited But it doesn't mean it won't cost you. Your salvation is free. But it may cost you everything. Does that make sense? Your salvation is free. Ephesians 2.8. It's a free gift of God. But it might cost you everything. And I have to tell you that as we go through this text. I wish I could tell you it won't. I wish I could tell you it will all be okay. I don't know that. Let's make this practical. Honestly, I think Luke 14, 26 and 27 is a little hard for us as Americans to grasp. And I think brothers and sisters in other countries and other parts of the world get it better than you and I do. If we can just be honest. 
Because there are other parts of the world where if you want to follow Jesus, you might get kicked out of your family. Because perhaps it's an honor-shame culture and for you to go against the religion of the family, which isn't Christianity, it brings shame on the family, so you might get kicked out of the family. So think about those individuals when they're hearing the gospel and whoever is sharing the gospel with them hopefully is honest enough to communicate. If you, if you follow Jesus, your family might not talk to you again. You don't think they need to hear you got to love your family less than you love Jesus. Do you see how that's just, man, that is that's something real brothers and sisters in other parts of the world have to think about. Or even worse, there are other sadly parts of the globe where your life is in danger if you follow Jesus Christ. And so again, think about the severity by which those people have to make the decision to say, I want to follow him. It may cost you your life, I know. I want to follow him. And I know those examples are kind of extreme. I use them because they flow with the text. 26 talks about family. 27 talks about your life. But obviously I do want to communicate. Obviously there's a cost to us in this context in our day and age too, right? There are thousands of costs that we have to face to follow Jesus. For example, maybe at your workplace, just seems like a lifestyle kind of contrary to Christianity and living out <coughs> of the design the Lord have for you just seems to get celebrated and promoted. And you kind of feel like, man, if, if I want to kind of rise up in this workplace, I think I have to compromise my morals or my ethics. That's a cost, right? That's a cost for you to say, no, I want to, I, I, I want to live this way. I want to honor the Lord with my work. And maybe, you, you know, risk a promotion or a salary increase. Maybe it's in your neighborhood. You want to invite neighbors to church or um, to a Bible study at your home or something like that. And you know, they might kind of label you as the weird, judgy Christian neighbor now, even though that's not true of you, right? But they might kind of slap that label on you and your kid doesn't get invited to their kid's birthday party, you know, because you're the weird, judgy neighbors now. That's a cost, right? And we could go on and on and on, but there is a cost to following Jesus, so I got to close with, so why do it, right? <laughs> I mean, again, if you're new or first coming around to Waypoint, perhaps you're like, man, I, I like that guy. He was nice and all, but kind of turned me away to Christianity. You know, if I came in at a six, I left at a four, you know, <laughs> he, he took me the other way. Um, I would say, well, blame the text. You know, I just did the text. I was assigned Luke 14. Um, but... It's worth it. It's all worth it. Again, I think about my kind of life before I truly came to faith in Christ. I obviously now I work for a college ministry. I plan to, Lord willing, be in ministry all of my life. And I don't, I don't regret that for a second because I get Jesus. And in the other previous life, even if I had gotten all those things, right? If I had gotten this incredible job and made all the money and climbed the ladder, whatever, and gotten these incredible things, but didn't know the Lord, I wouldn't take that any day of the week because now I know the Lord and that makes everything worth it. As Lawrence always says, we crave to be known. We crave to be loved. And we crave having purpose. And I found those things in a relationship with Jesus Christ. 
And you can too. And that's the only way you will truly find those things. So any cost to that, that comes from your life, which may be severe. I'm not trying to downplay it. It may be severe. It pales in comparison to living out of the design of I was made by God for God. And now I can actually live out of that. And I'm known, and I'm loved, and I have purpose. And nothing in this world can take those things from me. And second, you have to believe that eternity is real. One of my favorite verses, James 4, verse 13. It says, your life is a mist that appears for a little while and then vanishes. We don't think about our life like that. A mist. Gone. So if that's true, which I believe it is, I'm going to orient my life around the eternity, not the mist. I'm not going to orient my life around the mist because it's here today, gone tomorrow. But I have eternity waiting for me. So there is a great banquet you are invited to. The marriage supper of the Lamb. You can come, you can be a part of it, you can be a part of God's kingdom. It's something you can do today. We're going to have people when uh, the worship band starts singing with yellow lanyards that can pray for you. If that's you, just go talk to them. Say, hey, I want to come to the banquet. And they'll know what to do from there. Okay? Just tell them that. But I also want you to know there's a cost to following Jesus. But it's worth it. So will you come? Let me pray. Father, I pray for the people in this room. I don't know where they're all at. God, I don't know where the individual journeys are represented across this room, but I pray that people would come, that people would come to the banquet, that people would come be a part of your kingdom. And Lord, that they would see the things in their life that seem so just much more important, so much more weighty, Lord, that they pale in comparison to knowing you, being loved by you, experiencing you. So I, I pray that people would come and I pray that people would count the cost. And they would see, despite whatever it may take, you're still worthy, you're still good, you're still Lord. And I pray that lives would be changed. I ask that in Jesus' your name. Amen.